Drabblecast B-Sides, Episode 66, Heart of Clay, A St. Darwin Spiritual, by D.K. Thompson. Read to you by Alistair Stewart. Heart of Clay, A St. Darwin Spiritual, by D.K. Thompson. They lit a piece of paper, crammed it into his mouth, and in that moment he was born. Awareness terrified the golem, but the burning paper in his mouth and the word written on it gave him comfort. It filled him with wonder and fear, knowledge and life. St. Darwin had fashioned the paper from a certain bush on an Egyptian mountainside that was impervious to fire. When the golem's life dissipated, the flames would sputter out, but the mystical paper would never be consumed. The fire rose in him, tickled his chest, filled the hollows of his eyes, and he saw he was not alone. A man and a woman shared the small cramped room with him. The golem watched them, but didn't move, didn't say anything, because he could not. A word had brought him into the world, silent and on paper, and perhaps because of that, he was mute. The man tapped at the golem's chest with a chisel and hammer. "'What are you doing?' asked the woman. She waved out a match and dropped it to the floor beside a discarded bustle, skirt and blouse. "'It's to be unidentifiable, Mr. Durant.' The only evidence of its existence should be on paper, preferably burning paper. She was an image of soft and smooth curved perfection, from the polished buttons on her blue uniform skirt to the mirrored goggles, St. Darwin's legacy, resting atop her cream-coloured face. The tickle inside the golem's chest increased as he watched her. He wondered if it was more than just the burning flames. Durant looked back at her and laughed. A plain-clothes golem? I doubt anyone will be fooled. The buyers want a golem, she replied, not a paranormal patrol constable. Durant sighed and moved the hammer and chisel to one hand anyway and pulled a rag out of a bucket, water dripping off it onto the dusty wood floor. Durant pressed it against the golem's chest and wiped away the clay crest. The coarse rag felt warm and moist as it scrubbed over him. Give the lump some room, Mr. Durant, said the woman. She moved her purse from one hand to the other. It looked heavy. Durant glanced up into the golem's face, then straightened and stepped back. Brass and leather goggles were pulled down over Durant's eyes, and in them the golem saw his own dim reflection, similar to the way they looked, yet only at first glance. Crudely sculpted, misshapen, completely hairless, an imperfect likeness. Nothing at all like the woman. Durant dropped the rag. Bits of wet clay clung to the chisel's tip, and his white smock was splattered grey. You might be a bit more patient next time, Miss Stone. It's Mrs. Stone, sir. She frowned and pulled at the gold locket around her neck. Is that it, then? Is the lump ready for service? He needs a crest, Mrs. Stone, replied Durant. Plain clothes or not, he must be bound. It is the law. (sighs) Very well. Lift your arm, constable. The golem obeyed. Durant picked up a wooden stool, put it beside the golem and climbed on it. Chisel and hammer raised. He inscribed the crest on the inside of the golem's arm. Paranormal Patrol, Constable 7299. The golem ran his thick grey fingers over the chipped lines of the crest. His station, his service. His very will was now tied to the crest. It must be protected, at all costs. Swear him in, if you please, Mr. Durant. The golem lowered his arm and stood at attention. Shoulders straight, chin up, mouth closed. One moment, please. Durant pulled a few pieces of greasy paper from under his smock, unfolded them, and mumbled. 
Constable Golem 7299, <clears throat> he coughed, cleared his throat. It is with great honour that you have been created to serve Her Majesty, etc, etc. Your duty in the Paranormal Patrol will be overseen by... He paused and shuffled through the papers. Senior Ghost Inspector Rosemary Calder, Mrs Stone said. She moved her purse in front of her, held it with two hands. Durant looked around the room for the spirit. After a few moments, he lifted his goggles and looked back at Mrs Stone. And where is she? Trying to pacify the tickling sensation. The golem rubbed his chest where Durant had smoothed out the paranormal patrol crest. Indisposed, I'm afraid, Mrs Stone replied. She must have noticed Constable 7299's irritation, because she looked at him with a curious expression. He stopped rubbing his chest, put his arms back at his side. Mrs Stone continued. I'm serving as a second. Is the necessary paperwork? She opened her purse and handed a carefully folded piece of paper to Durant. Everything does seem to be in order. Durant cleared his throat once more. As overseen by Chief Ghost Inspector Rosemary Calder and Detective Lucy Stone, you are to submit to their will above all else. Respect civilian life at all times. If these commands are not followed, your crest shall be wiped from your chest, sorry, pardon me, arm, and your service and existence will be terminated, etc., etc. Her Majesty thanks you for your service. The golem glanced at Detective Stone again. Mrs. Stone. Lucy. Durant folded the paper back up and slid it into his pocket. Well then, Mrs. Stone, there you are. Simple instructions for simple things. What shall I do with the rest? The golem glanced on either side of him, saw the others standing in line, their heads still slumped, their crests not yet engraved. No fire in their mouths or eyes. Waiting. Despite the flames inside him, Constable 7299 felt cold. Leave him, said Lucy. We'll need some privacy now. Mr. Durant collected his tools and muttered, Best of luck, Constable. Lucy closed the door after him and turned back to Constable Gollum 7299, a frown on her face. Despite the man's departure, the room seemed much more cramped. 7299 is a bit formal. From now on, you'll respond to Constable Lump. Nod if you understand, please. The Gollum. Lump. Nodded. Good. Listen carefully to me then, Lump. She opened her purse, pulled out a revolver, and checked the chamber. Your only responsibility is to do as I, or Inspector Calder, when she makes her presence known, order you. All your other duties are to be disregarded, and never, under any circumstances, display your crest, or I will smear it off with my own fingers and dampen your fire with my own spit. Follow that, and we should get along smashingly. She closed the revolver's chamber, dropped it back in her purse, and carefully laid it on the floor. Lump waited for her to give him some kind of direction, but she ignored him, pulling at the talisman around her neck. She said, I don't suppose a grounder will do much good with them, but I think we should take it with us for old time's sake, don't you? Lump glanced around the room to see if she was addressing someone else, but saw no one. Then Lucy laughed at him, her mouth open wide, lips curled up and eyes narrowing. Lump opened his mouth, tried to imitate her, but no sound came out. Only a spit of fire. They'll be coming to collect us after dark, of course. That doesn't leave much time. Don't want ten of your fellow lumps, unmarked with the necessary horror beliefs. There's a cart in the hallway. Get to it. Without waiting for a response, she unbuttoned her uniform and turned away from Lump. Upon seeing the top of Lucy's bare shoulder and the curve of her back, Lump averted his gaze. The tingling sensation in his chest flared. On the rooftop, 
Rain popped and crackled. Wump examined the empty shells again. Then, one by one, he pushed them over and loaded them up on the cast iron cart. The wheels squeaked as Lump pulled the cart down the hallway. Ten of the inanimate golems lay side by side, stacked like firewood. Lucy handed him a yellow slicker. She was dressed in the pale bustle skirt and blouse, just a shade lighter than her skin, and she had an umbrella tucked into the crook of her elbow. Put it on, she said. The rain will make you soft. Lump obeyed, forced his arms through the slicker's sleeves. They ripped at the cuffs. Lucy sighed, then pushed open the door. A black horseless carriage awaited them. The body of it rode more than a metre off the ground. Steam poured out of the spout in the hood and rose into the cold, damp sky. Rain splattered against the cobblestone streets and the coach's canvassed top. A driver sat hunched over the wheel, the goggles from his aviation cap pulled down over his eyes. His partner reclined against the cabin, outfitted in a foppish wig and expensive suit, apparently indifferent to the weather. He glanced down at Lump, covered his mouth as he yawned. Two men sat on the rumble seat in the back. Both wore black raincoats and top hats. The carriage door was open, though Lump couldn't see anyone inside. Rain splattered down on Lump's skin, made him cold and wet. Lucy popped open the umbrella and handed it to him. Do try and stay dry, she whispered. Lump nodded and tried to smile, but Lucy looked away before he could be sure whether or not he'd managed it. An obese albino stepped onto the carriage's footboard. He was hairless at least as far as Lump could see, and his crimson eyes seemed to cut through the cold rain. The sleeves of his azure coat were tight around his thick arms. They looked ready to split open at the seams. He dropped to the ground, and the carriage bounced from the relief of his weight. The albino stepped forwards, his boots sloshing through puddles. The two footmen dropped from the rumble seat and followed him, goggles down over their eyes as they approached Lucy. Lump stepped forwards, but Lucy grabbed his wrist, her touch stopping him short. He looked down at her soft fingers, then at her. She didn't look at him, only addressed the corpulent man. You've brought some friends, Mr. Moust. And you've brought some golems, Miss Stone. One of them burning. Lucy sighed and let go of Lump's hand. Mrs. Stone, sir, and yes, I thought you'd prefer a demonstration. A treat, to be sure said Moust, his breath ragged, his voice panting. Do not worry, Miss Stone. I assure you I meant no insult or offence to your status. His wide smile flashed over rows of teeth. They were bad, all of them crooked and sharp. One of the other men stepped behind Lucy, the other in front of her. My footmen are here to make certain no spirits are riding along with you. Lump stiffened. The crest on the inside of his arm ached. He felt the tickle inside him again, was compelled to get between Lucy and Moust, but she glanced at him and shook her head. "'I'm a spiritualist, Mr. Moust,' Lucy tugged at the ground around her neck, showing it off to them. "'I have my own wards to fend off unwanted ghosts, and vampires never much intimidated me.' The footman in front of Lucy and Lump snarled, his fangs glinting in the darkness. Lucy did not move, although Lump had stepped closer to her and his grip on the umbrella tightened. The footman laughed, wiped a long strand of wet hair out of his face, then said to Moust, She's alone. Moust smiled, stepped forward. He slipped his hand between the slicker's flaps and stroked Lump's exposed chest with the back of his fingertips, right where the paranormal patrol crest should have been etched, where the rag had scrubbed it clean. 
Mouse's hands felt warm and smooth to the touch. Unmarked, Mrs. Stone? They wouldn't be worth much to you otherwise, would they? Mouse turned his hand over. Long, claw-like fingernails scraped along Lump's clay skin, down his torso to his waist, and finally between Lump's legs. Mouse stroked and clutched at the smooth surface there, clumped together bits of clay, cutting deep lines into the skin. Lump stared at Lucy but didn't move. Her eyes widened for a moment, then she looked away, her purse clutched in both hands. He's marked now, said Mouse. I do love how soft they are at this early age. So fresh. Lucy handed him the horror leaves. Ten pages. Mouse thumbed through them, then looked at Lump and smiled. Perhaps your golem will give us the pleasure of riding along with us inside the carriage after he's attached to the cart. If you wish. Mouse offered Lucy his hand. I most certainly do. Lump watched her enter the carriage, relieved he wouldn't have to ride alone with Mouse, yet at the same time wishing Lucy had refused to join them. Mouse had his hand on Lump's leg, his finger etching a spiral pattern into the golem's thigh. Lump sat up straight, his own hands pressed over his knees, and watched Lucy, who sat across from him. She looked out the carriage's window. Where are we going, sir? The golems will be inspected at the airship port on the Thames. You'll be paid in full there. They'll be flown out of England, then. But how will the golems be disposed of? Mouse continued to stroke Lump's leg. I don't believe any of that is your concern, my dear Mrs. Stone. Have you found some way to feed off them? Lucy pressed. Some way to drain life from their clay once the horror leaf has been lit. Have you not read Darwin, spiritualist? Mouse asked, your saint begged absolution for us, brought us reconciliation with church and queen. No longer were we the monsters of the night, banished to scavenge underground in the catacombs of London, or feed off animals, or fresh corpses in graveyards. Our souls legitimized us, but some things even the great saint himself could not cure. Daylight remains our bane. Blood our water. He patted Lump's leg. Fire burns inside of the golems. My kind has never had much of an appetite for it. He paused, then smiled again, showing his wicked teeth. But they are to be delivered to your kind. Most stopped stroking Lump's leg. The smile stayed tight on his face. You ask many questions, Mrs. Stone. Lucy batted her eyes and smiled back at him. I'm a woman, Mr. Mouse. I'm curious by nature. Lump's insides tingled again, as if Moust was somehow running his fingernails over the inside of Lump's chest. He looked outside, hoped to catch a glimpse of the Thames, and also hoped he never would. Gollum, said Moust. Are you marked? Lump glanced at him, surprised. His crest ached, but he managed to shake his head. Still, as my property, you are bound to me, and must do as I say. Isn't that right, Mrs. Stone? Of course, Lucy said. Good. Kill her. What? Lump didn't move for a moment, just glanced between her and Moust. Finally, he shook his head. Lucy smiled and opened her purse. Good boy, Lump. Then Moust lunged, faster than his size would seem to allow. He was on top of Lucy, crushing her, his jaw unhinged, so his mouth was open wide, flicking spittle onto her exposed neck. 
Lump sprang forwards, flung Mouse back into his seat, pinned him with one arm, and covered the vampire's white face with his clay fingers. Jagged teeth pierced his palm, claws shredded his rubber sleeve, but Lump kept his grip. If you won't disclose the information to us, I suppose we'll just have to dig it out of you, Lucy said. She looked at Lump. Do it, Rose. Lump stared at her, tried to keep Mouse down, his head cocked in confusion, unsure what her command meant. And then the ghost shot out from Lump's chest, a pale, twisting haze of ethereal rose in the centre of the carriage. Lump let go of Mouse and stared at the spirit. It materialised just long enough for him to tell it was a woman, then dove into Mouse's body. He blanched for a moment, his mouth slackened, exposing his dreadful curved teeth. Then he spasmed and thrashed about the carriage, bile flinging from his lips. The ghost came back out. Mouse slumped against the seat. Gasped. Rose? Lucy asked. The ghost inspector turned to Lucy. Her head tilted at an unnatural angle, a noose dangling round her neck. Lucy, the golems, they aren't for an armed force, they're for Cleveland. Mouse's thick arm rammed through Rose, a grounder clutched in his sausage-like fingers. She flickered and wailed, then twisted up through the carriage's roof and vanished. Clever, hiding the ghost bitch inside the golem, he said with a smile all teeth and wickedness. But did you really think we would not be prepared for the paranormal patrol? Who's Cleveland? Lucy demanded. What is he doing with the stolen golems? Mouse smiled. Who is Cleveland? Oh, I'm afraid you'll be long dead before you find our Mr. Cleveland. Idle threats bore me, sir, Lucy said, opening her purse. She pulled out the revolver, levelled it at the vampire's chest, and fired. A red cloud of mist filled the carriage's interior, spraying lump blood on clay. Moust screamed. The carriage lurched to a stop. Lucy aimed the revolver at Moust's head. Hurt, didn't it? The next one will be a little higher and much more effective. Moust looked down at his chest, blood smeared on his white shirt. Help me! He gasped. Kill them! Furious by the threat to Lucy's life, Lump slammed his fist into Moust's face. The vampire thudded against the cast iron wall, then went limp. Well, said Lucy, that renders interrogation a bit of an impossibility. The carriage door flung open. The vampire with the foppish wig swung inside, armed with a pair of knives. He pushed Mouse through the carriage door, then roared, his jaw lowering to his chest. Lump dove at him. A knife cut through the slicker and buried itself hilt deep in his clay shoulder, another slice just below his neck. Lump picked the vampire up, slammed him against the carriage's wall again and again, and then he went still. Lucy pressed against Lump, leaned over his shoulder. Lump, she said, pulling the knife from his back. We have to get moused and we have to find Cleveland. The vampire lashed out, something warm sprinkled on Lump, peppering the damp yellow slicker with red beads. He glanced back and saw Lucy's eyes widen and blink. A thin stream of blood trickled out of her mouth while her hands tried to cover a deep gash below her neck. Then her eyes rolled up and she fell back. Lump turned back to the vampire, raised his fist and held nothing back. The blow connected hard, popping the vampire's head off his shoulders. Lump pulled Lucy to him and cradled her in his arms. She was still warm. He leapt out of the carriage with her, his clay feet splashing into a puddle. They went cold and sticky and soft. He flinched as the rain hit his face. The other vampires surrounded them, the driver, the long-haired one, the footman in the top hat. Rain pelted their hats and coats. Moust got to his knees, coughed. Without turning his back on the vampires, Lump stepped back, 
and set Lucy inside the carriage where she'd be dry. Then he opened his mouth in a silent roar and flames licked the air before him. Rain bombarded his tattered slicker, dripped onto his grey skin, chilled him. Even though it was absurd, he wondered if his fire would be dampened. The long-haired vampire drew a sword from his overcoat. The driver gripped a hatchet. The footman pulled out knives. Lump clenched his clay fists. His feet felt like they had moulded to the cobblestone road. He pulled off the useless slicker and tossed it to the ground. The long-haired vampire stayed in front of Maust, kept his master protected. The other two crouched and edged forward. Lump leapt at them. Bits of his feet stuck to the cobbles separated from his body. He lurched a bit, then smashed the driver, splintering the goggles on his aviation cap with the blow, knocked him to the damp cobblestones. The footman darted to the side and jumped on Lump, arm clinging around his clay neck, jaw unhinged, teeth gnashed, a blade driven hilt deep into his back. Lump tossed the footman over his shoulder. The top hat rolled in circles. The vampire with the sword twirled the blade once, then moved forward and swung. The sword arced a whisper in the pounding rain and sliced off Lump's right arm. They all stopped and stared at the severed limb, the crest of the paranormal patrol visible. Unmarked indeed, Moust shouted back on his feet but still shaking. Get it! We'll bend it to our will yet! The long-haired vampire dashed toward the fallen limb, blade raised. Lump tackled him before he could get far, felt the sword go through his own chest, impaling him as he fell. He broke the vampire's arm, then he placed his own thick, wet fingers inside the creature's mouth and yanked off the unhinged jaw. Blood gushed and the vampire gurgled. Lump let the jaw drop, gripped the head and ripped it off. As the body fell, he clutched the head by the greasy hair and swung it into the footman he'd thrown over his shoulder, knocking him back to the ground. Lump tossed the head aside and fell on the footman, smashed him over and over again with his single clay fist. Every blow reshaped the vampire's face until there was nothing but pulped flesh and broken bone. Lump rose. The driver was back on his feet, goggles shattered, aviation cap askew. He tried to back away. Stay, you fool! screamed Maust, tugging at something inside his coat. We've almost finished him! Lump grabbed the driver and opened his mouth. Let the sparks lick at the creature. The vampire screamed, flames spreading across his body as if he were made of coal. Thunder cracked somewhere in the distance. A hole tore through Lump's neck and sent him reeling backward. Maust stood beside Lump's severed arm, pistol in his hands. It won't kill you, I know, but it will slow you down enough for me to make some alterations, said Maust. Rain trickled down his bald head. He dropped the gun, picked up Lump's severed arm, lifted it to his mouth and lapped at the crest with his tongue. Then with his sharp fingernails he carved fresh lines into the paranormal patrol crest. Lump moved towards him. Knew he couldn't let Maust gain control of him, but the slurping and scratching noises made him stumble. Strips of clay lay across the rain-soaked road, a grey wake of his skin. He glanced at the carriage, saw Lucy laying there, her chest moving up and down. Lump tried to steady himself, to go after Maust. The vampire would make him kill Lucy if he could, but Lump couldn't walk straight. Something flickered behind Maust. Use a grounder on me, you bastard! screamed Rose, spiralling through the air. Maust must not have heard her, because he continued to smile at Lump, spitting on the crest as he raked his fingernails across it. Then Rose shot inside of him and his smile stretched open, tearing at the corners of his mouth. He howled. Blood streamed from his ears and eyes and nostrils, a stark contrast to his white skin. 
His crimson eyes remained wide as his body tumbled over, thrashing and twisting on the cobblestone. Lump pulled the sword from his chest, the blade smattered with wet clay, and let it clatter to the ground. He staggered over to where Mouse writhed, picked up his detached arm, then stumbled back towards the carriage and Lucy. The cut was just below her neck. The blood washed her white dress red. Lump laid his severed arm beside her, pulled at the stump where it had been attached, and twisted free a clump of the wet clay. He squeezed it between his fingers, marvelled at how it moulded. So soft. Like Lucy. He put it to her wound and pressed down. Rose floated beside him. She'll be all right, Constable. I've seen her survive harder things. If we don't make the trade, we'll lose our opportunity, Atom. We have to act. Now. Lump shook his head and climbed into the carriage beside Lucy. The rain came down hard outside. That's an order, Constable. If you disobey me, I could have your fire put out. Lump shrugged, gestured at the blood splattered on Lucy's dress and the carriage's interior. Rose huffed and looked at Lucy. Why is it golems seem so bent on sacrificing themselves for you? Very well, Constable. We'll get her to safety first. Then we go to the point of exchange. Lump nodded. He touched his damp fingers to Lucy's face, wiped the blood away, and pushed the hair from her eyes. Lucy didn't say his name or open her eyes or regain consciousness, but her chest continued to rise and fall. She kept breathing. For Lump, that was enough. Cleveland wasn't a man, Rose explained. It was a street, an address where golems were smuggled, animated, and then rented out. A thick fog hung over the cobblestones, as murky and grey as Lump's skin. It blotted out most of the brick buildings and storefront, but not the door to number 16. Lump flexed his arm, still wet and malleable. Durant had reattached it before animating the other ten golems. The new constables followed Lump inside. The buzzing of flies and the smell of stale sex greeted them. A shaft of light came through a paned window, illuminated specks of dust floating through the air. No golems, no renters. The brothel masters had left in a hurry. In the kitchen, ants and cockroaches crawled from the torn, bloodless corpse of a pig on one of the tables. It had been set for six, the plate splattered with blood and bits of intestine and torn flesh. Cold, lumpy eggs, sliced bread and bacon filled the plates on the second table. Lump stomped up the stairs to search the rooms. The wood creaked underneath his footsteps. The beds were unmade. The sheets tangled and hardened with bodily fluids. Pieces of clay were littered about the mattresses and bedroom floors, still damp. Lump picked up some of the scattered pieces, rubbed them together between his clay fingers. Constable? Lucy asked. She leaned on a wooden walking stick in the doorway. Her blue uniform wrinkled. The clay bandage at the base of her neck had gone from grey to red. Durant had speculated that the mystical animate properties of the clay had done remarkable things for her recovery, if they hadn't altogether saved her life. Still, Lucy's face was paler than usual, but she'd insisted on coming. You okay? Lump lifted his hand, showed her the pieces of clay in his palm. She looked at the small ball. I'm sorry, Lump. We weren't fast enough. You should have listened to Chief Ghost Inspector Calder. You should have gone through with the meeting instead of taking care of me. Lump shook his head and stepped forward, touched his rough clay fingers to her soft cheek. She didn't flinch. Instead, she kissed his palm lightly and blinked back tears that wet his fingers. 
you saved my life. Thank you. Only then did she let go. Rose darted up through the floor between them, her noose spun like a ribbon behind her. Constable, detective, they found an access route to the underground. Thank you, Rose, said Lucy, we'll be just a moment. Rose watched them with a curious expression, then nodded and disappeared back through the floorboards. They stood in silence, looking at each other. Finally, Lucy smiled at him once more, then turned and hobbled out of the room. Lump let her go. He squeezed the clay ball into a shapeless form, felt Lucy's tears on his hands, smearing them. He rubbed his fingers together. The moisture softened his fingertips. The corners of his mouth curled and lifted into a small smile. He pressed the clump over his chest, where his crest should have been. As he moulded the clay into his skin, something inside him tingled. This bonus content story was brought to you by Drabblecast Productions. Special thanks to our episode artist, Drabblecast art director Bo Kyer. Check him out at www.bokyer.com. And thank you, the Drabblecast B-Sides Premium Content subscriber, for supporting the Drabblecast and the work that we do. We greatly appreciate it. Listen to me tale. Remember those days when men rode waves to hunt down a mother whale. Those ocean waves sent men to graves, made widows weep and wail. All for the glory of a good drinking story and the cheese of a humpback whale. Young Jack Taylor was a mighty fine sailor.